Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Where Liberty Dwells podcast. I'm your host, Vaughn Hilp. Firstly, did you know about this episode right when it came out? Are you outraged that you didn't? Well, you should be, because that's a very sad story. If you want to stay updated on every episode of the podcast, you should follow the show's Instagram at Where Liberty Dwells Podcast, or follow the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Also, I'd like to announce that in addition to episodes and articles, Where Liberty Dwells has published its very first statistical report titled, What Police Violence Statistics Don't Tell You. You've probably heard a lot about police murdering innocent people over the last year, often justified by facts and figures, maybe even a nice graph. In this report, I take a new glance at the very numbers the left uses to justify its claim that the police are systemically racist and put their assumptions to the test. For example, did you know that police officers who kill a black person are more often charged and convicted with a crime compared to when a white person is killed? To find out more, go to www.wherelibertydwells.com slash articles dash and dash reports. Enjoy the show. I've taken a bit of a hiatus here. It's been two months since my last episode, which I can't even believe I'm saying. There were, there were reasons to go along with this, though. There was a trip to Nashville in there. There was lots of schoolwork. There was finals. There was moving back home, uh, as, as well as that stat report that you just heard about in the beginning there. But all that really means is that there's plenty now to cover in between then, so we've got a lot to do. Starting, though, I want to start with the last episode I released, actually. It was entitled, America is Not Racist. Uh, I want to make very clear that I stand by what I said. I want to say this because uh, I caught a lot of flack, I guess you could say, uh, by peers of mine for this last episode. But yeah, I stand exactly by what I said. Uh, I did receive, however, many intellectually rigorous rebuttals to this episode via Instagram comments. Um, just a, a couple examples, uh, if, you, if you're interested. America was founded on racism. I thought you were at least a bit intelligent. Who was your history teacher, dude? What did you learn in college, bro? That was great. Uh, another one. This is in such bad taste. LMFAO, check yourself, please. I'm begging. Oh, oh, and one more. This is this, is this satire. I'm crying. It's so funny. So plenty of really good arguments uh, attacking what I said. Very hard to come up with responses to those. No, but seriously, that episode caught a lot of flack specifically because of the timing. Uh, it was released a couple days after... This report came out about this shooting in Atlanta where this this guy walked into three different spas in the Atlanta area and he shot eight people, six of whom were Asian, um, Asian women, I think specifically Korean immigrants. Um, and this was also during a time where there were reports of spikes in anti-Asian uh, hate, hate crimes in America. Um, so that was the reason for the backlash I received. But now that we're two months removed from that and we have some, some hindsight, uh, what, actually, what actually ended up happening with that shooting? Oh, let's see. Well, the shooter himself said that it was not a racially motivated attack. It was actually uh, a sex addiction he was dealing with. So we can kind of assume that these parlors may have had you know, some extra services available, which may have been the reason. He said himself he never went to these places specifically for sex, but clearly a very, very messed up person. He's still being charged with hate crimes, even though it doesn't really seem to, to work with what he said. Usually when someone commits a, a crime this heinous, they usually are not trying to deceive what their real motives were. And if anything, they go, you know, full on uh, 
pedal to the metal exactly what I thought, but here we are. How, however, though, what what an endorsement of the death penalty this case is. You have you have a district attorney who ran about a year ago on a, partially a platform of I of saying I cannot foresee a case where the death penalty would be necessary, but now here she is. Just, just uh, you know, not even a year or two or term saying that sh- this is they found a case and he they will be seeking the death penalty. Perfect. Uh, I think he absolutely deserves the death penalty. You don't get to walk in to a place of business or anywhere and take the lives of innocent people by gunning them down. He absolutely should be killed. Uh, but enough on that. Today, I want to talk mostly about how half of our country ignores reality, largely speaking. Uh, this ignorance is largely fueled by the media who essentially operate as just kind of like the propaganda wing of the Democrat Party. Most, at least most of the big players. You know, there's still Fox and there's the Daily Wire and there's some, you know, independent people out there like Dan Bongino, but they don't make up a, a large a large portion of this media pie. You've got every almost every major media company on the side of the Democrats and they they will do almost anything in their power to make Biden and anybody associated with him seem as untouchable and as saintly as possible or saint-like so just to recap though in reality's terms in biden's couple months as president so far he has ended a major a major u.s pipeline the keystone xl there has been massive inflation uh 4.2 percent jump in consumer prices just in april which is the largest since 2008 during the financial crisis april also saw a massive underform underperformance in jobs The Dow Jones estimated a million new jobs would be added in April, and there was just 266,000. So they were off by a factor of like five. And then in addition to that, there has been an absolutely terrible response by the Biden administration to this Israeli-Palestinian newest conflict there in the region. But more on that later. What's also really, really shocking and, and oddly timed possibly is the end of the pandemic. Oh, you didn't realize? Yes, the CDC last week announced that if you're fully vaccinated, you no longer have to wear the mask indoors or outdoors in most settings. How convenient and fantastic for the country. We've waited so, so long for this. I have a couple questions, though. Um, number one, what the hell changed about vaccinated people from a week between a week ago and, say, two or three months ago? I remember... You know, years and years and years and years ago, like March 14th, when Biden said and all of the, the, you know, health officials, you know, Dr. Anthony Fauci said that July 4th should be, you know, this liberation from the virus. That by July 4th, all of a sudden, you know, that's the goal that we'll be able to take off our masks, have a, a, you know, a quiet barbecue. And, And then all of a sudden now, no, 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 now, now it's fine. Well, yeah, really what changed? The answer is nothing. Of course, nothing nothing in the science about vaccines has changed from when people originally were getting the vaccines and you had people like Biden and Fauci, Nancy Pelosi, all of these, you know, these leaders of the Democrat Party still wearing masks, still even though they're fully vaccinated. In in, in on the House floor, Nancy Pelosi still mandated masks even though that by that point almost everybody had received the vaccine. Why are they doing this? It was all political theater. In fact, Anthony Fauci just admitted to this in a recent interview. He said he did it because he was afraid that if he wasn't wearing a mask, people would think it's okay not to when it wasn't 
it wasn't politically the right time for them. But let's be honest, though, the, as as the CDC has lifted these or has, has not lifted because they, they can't actually impose any any real rules. But as they've changed their guidance, the crazy thing is many, many states and many people are still continuing to wear the masks, even though they've been fully vaccinated. They, they've claimed that, you know, since there's no way to verify truly if you've been vaccinated or not without, you know, these this idea of a vaccine passport, which is definitely unconstitutional. But beside the point, there's no way to enforce whether or not you've been vaccinated. So if the policy is if you've been vaccinated, take off the mask, everyone's going to take off the mask. And since that's not good, since, you know, you're not, you can't be controlled that way, a lot of Democrats don't want to do that. They are going to continue to wear the mask. Well, think about this. It, at this point in the United States, unless you are a child, like below the age of 12, or you are a part of a tiny group of people that either cannot get the vaccine because of medical problems, which is a, a, a group a group of people, however, a small group, who have probably lived with uh, this compromised immune system before the pandemic and had ways to cope with it. Or you're among the people who don't want to get it or can't get it, then you've been vaccinated. And if you don't want to get it, then at this point, that's your choice. If you want to put yourself at risk to COVID-19 and you because you don't want to get the vaccine at this point, after this many months of it having of having it available to almost everybody, then that's your choice. Who if you're vaccinated, why are you wearing a mask? It doesn't make it makes zero sense, but they still continue to do it because they don't want to let go of this more or less giant power grab of control over people. But here we are. But seriously, the 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 hypocrisy of of all of these of all these people and 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 the fact that is is it is it just a little bit concerning that as of just March 31st only 69% of people would have been comfortable attending a sporting event where literally every single person was vaccinated that means there is still a 31% of Americans who think that they that they they would be uncomfortable attending a, a sporting event where every single person in attendance was vaccinated I don't know I don't know what once again I don't know what type of reality they're living in um but I'm living in the one and only reality, if if that is, makes any distinction there. Uh, like I said before, in April, there was a, a massive underperformance in jobs. 266,000 were added, uh, even though the Dow Jones estimated a million jobs would be added. There's th- This also comes at a, at a strangely convenient time where the unemployment benefits have been stronger than ever due to the pandemic. And it turns out that if you incentivize people to stay home and receive um, money and and you know live off of the government they they will do that instead of work especially when the jobs they get would pay them less than the money that the government is giving them who would have thought you can't even blame the people for doing this like you're receiving more money to do literally nothing you have a higher paycheck for doing nothing why would you work this also ties in with a lot of uh, minimum wage arguments lately which is interesting because that should certainly help the situation oh by far Raise the minimum wage at a time where businesses can't hire any or can't hire anybody in the first place because they can't afford to work, at a time with massive price inflation. I, I saw a viral tweet the other day from uh, an account called at Sleepy Socialist. So this should be good. It said it's funny that businesses are begging for workers instead of just getting those robots we're told will so easily replace us if we raise the minimum wage. This and this had a hundred and fifty one thousand likes. And 25,000 retweets on Twitter. This, every time, I, I've covered the minimum wage extensively on this show before. 
and I was I think the second episode I ever did. It if you have taken even even a high school level economics class, the arguments to raising the minimum wage they disappear before your very eyes. I, I these people must have either been asleep or chose to actively ignore you know some sort of cognitive dissonance about the minimum wage. It it, it does not help. It raises raises prices. It decreases uh, real wages. And not just you know it increases nominal wages. Your real wages fall, especially if you're making above that minimum wage. And on top of that, the raising the minimum wage actually decreases the amount of jobs available. So how for however many jobs that you improve by raising their wages, some jobs you just eliminate entirely. So uh, there's there's actually a lot of a lot of evidence that raising the minimum wage actually hurts the very group of people that the proponents for the minimum wage uh, are attempting to help. It's those people who who make you know the the lower end of an hourly wage. Those jobs get eliminated because employers cannot afford to pay them that much. You want you want to talk about how much CEOs make, and, and that's that's a different argument. We're talking about your everyday business that can pay their employees only so much because of the revenue that they that they have and the cost that they have you can't just mandate that people pay the their workers more and then expect those jobs to stick around they just can't afford it now i also want to move on to the conflict in gaza um, as most of you know by now the palestinians and their elected leaders hamas and israel have been firing uh, rockets at each other the last couple of weeks um, as of Thursday, though, uh, as of yesterday, there there has been a reported ceasefire, which is good. This is an interesting issue in the United States, this Israel-Palestine conflict, because so many people, especially young people, maybe this isn't true among older the older generations, but especially among my generation, Gen Z, it's a very interesting issue to watch other people's reactions to because it most, most 21-year-olds, I'm saying just my age, most 21-year-olds don't actually know anything about the history between Israel and Palestine. I'm saying the vast majority. But in the United States, most conservative thought leaders are pro-Israel. Most liberal thought leaders are pro-Palestine. So more more often than not, you see this this split where you, you talk to someone my age about the conflict and you're only going to get the talking points of the liberals about Palestinians or the conservatives about Israel. Um, and for me, I have never really spent time thinking about this. So I wanted to give it a, a truly fresh approach um, into this, you know, intellectual uh, conversation about these, these two territories and these two groups of people. What I have found is that lots, lots of this, there's the, the big argument by the left is this, you know, whose land is whose and who's been there the longest and whose land is it really? But this is kind of a frivolous argument because if you go back in time, I mean, who, okay, yeah. So if for anyone who doesn't know the history, um, and I'm not saying I come from a place of expertise at all, uh, I, I was just learning all this myself. The state of Israel was founded in 1948. Uh, this was after the, the area had been handed over to the UN by Britain. Um, which means before the state of Israel, the, the state of Israel existed, the United Kingdom ruled the area, and before that, the Ottoman Empire ruled the area, 
And before that, the Mamluks ruled the area. Before that, the Arabs ruled the area. Oh, before that, the Byzantines ruled the area, the Byzantine Empire. Before that, the Romans ruled it. Before that, the Persians did. And by this time, we're all the way back in 500 BC. So this argument of whose land is whose and who's been there the longest, I saw a viral tweet about uh, someone showing a coin from 1927 that said Palestine on it and claiming, like, we've been here a lot longer than you have, Israel. This is, this is ridiculous. Someone actually followed it up with saying, here's a coin from, from you know, 135 B.C. about, and it was a, it was a Jewish coin for Israel. You know, the, like, you can go back as far as, as history will let you, and there will be somebody who ruled that land before you. So who do we give it back to? Do we give it back to the Persians? Oh, they don't exist anymore. Do the Romans? Well, I guess they're kind of Italians now. Do we give... Do we give Israel back to the Italians? Is that what we're saying? Maybe. I don't know. I think that's a rather frivolous argument to this. I think what's more important are the facts today. What do we have to look at now? The facts are this. The state of Israel is the only democracy in the Middle East. And as a sovereign state, it most certainly has the right to defend itself. This was a completely absurd argument made by Don Lemon on his show, where he claimed that the is the Israeli response to the Hamas rocket attacks, the the Palestinian rocket attacks, was too great. It, their 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 response with the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force, they're so powerful that they were being too mean to the Palestinians. The argument he's making is think about how crazy this sounds. That he is saying that if Canada launched rockets into Minnesota. That because the United States military is so much more powerful than the Canadian one, it wouldn't be fair to subdue the Canadians into submission so they stopped firing rockets into Minnesota. Don Lemon wants it so you just you just kind of push them away from you so you say, hey, stop that. Stop that. Instead of full force, period, stop, you will not be firing rockets into our territory anymore. The amount of... The amount of Sympathy I have heard from people on the left towards Hamas is actually a little bit frightening because the next thing I was going to mention is that Hamas is a terrorist organization and is backed by Iran, which is an outspoken U.S. enemy. And Hamas is the organization which controls Gaza, which is more or less, you know, the Palestinians. They elected them, actually. The Palestinian people elected Hamas in Hamas's very charter, their very governing document. It says that our struggle against the Jews is very great and very serious, and it calls for the eventual creation of an Islamic state in Palestine in place of Israel and the Palestinian territories and the obliteration or dissolution of Israel. They call for that. Now, what I'm definitely not in my, in my, in my research and my discoveries on this, because once again, I had almost no background information about this issue beforehand. What I t- can tell you I'm not is a Zionist. A Zionist is more or less someone who... Uh, he stands up for the state of Israel and um, promotes them kind of uh, above everything else. You know, they're, it's it's kind of like this the prideful movement of Israel. I'm certainly not. Um, I, I can I acknowledge that since the creation of the state of Israel back in 1947, uh, there has been plenty of of, of wrongdoing on the Israeli side. Um, there was there was a war in 1967 where the Palestinians lost lots of territory. Um, but once again, the territory thing is such a it's such a dumb argument because if you go back in time, you can go back thousands of years and someone else was ruling the area. The, the whole point of the creation of Israel was after World War II, 
Uh, Jewish people were not looking so good. They had just experienced the Holocaust, maybe the worst event in human history. Uh, so the UN thought maybe it's time after all of the Jews suffering that they have their own state. And the Jews were like, how about the Holy Land, you know, Jerusalem and all that. And, um, and then they moved in. I'm not saying that was, that was right to just kind of kick out all of the people living there before them. But for the left now to use that as an argument as to how, how, how they're a settler, a settler colony. And it's just more of this, you know, European rule, you know, by extension, that's pointless because before that there was there was first of all not even a country there it was ruled by by tribes and and they were constantly they were constantly warring with each other over the territory that the british you know put the jews in so who's really whose land is it really all right who i'm i think i might go with the italians i think i might be sticking with that one but i digress okay half of the country this is my point half of the country refuses to look at the reality of our situation in the eye they refuse to acknowledge that the Joe Biden administration is a steadily sinking ship. And tactics such as releasing a couple months early the, the, the wondrous news of the end of the pandemic for vaccinated people was just one play to try and save this, this hull full of holes. Instead, they also want to focus on January 6th. They're never going to let that go. The president himself called January 6th the worst attack on our democracy since the Civil War. First of all, what? Pearl Harbor, JFK's assassination, uh, 9-11, all of these events would like a word with you, Joe Biden, first of all. Yeah. They're going to use this, this January 6th storming of the Capitol as a political weapon for years and years and years. They're never going to let this go. Now, I don't want to downplay a protest that turned riot at our nation's capital. It was bad, and it was truly embarrassing. I have never felt more embarrassed as a citizen. But that was five months ago, and as of even yesterday, you had AOC, the, you know, the Honorable AOC, on, her pod, on a podcast call, um, called Unmasked. She, she called January 6th an attempted coup and 60 seconds from a martial state being declared. Okay, the things that January 6th was not, number one, a coup. It was not a coup. At no point, at no point on that day during this three-hour riot and, and breaking into the nation's capital was the overthrow of the American government even remotely a possibility. And number two, it also wasn't even murderous. In fact, the only person that was murdered as a direct consequence, like directly because of, of the riots, was that, that woman, Ashley Babbitt, who was a protester herself. Yet we constantly hear in the media how the death toll has risen to eight or whatever it is now. But these are all people that either died of complications other than the riots and were outside of, and, and that, but were happened to be there, or people that were injured and that ended up dying later on. Now, to wrap this into a nice, neat little bow, especially, Tim Ryan, a representative uh, from Ohio, was actually screaming on the House floor the other day about Republicans not wanting to have another, uh, yet another investigation into January 6th, um, mostly because there have been extensive investigations already, and um, the nation has more or less acknowledged what happened. Uh, and they think that it's kind of frivolous to continue this... this uh, investigate the continue these investigations for when we know what happened we really do but what's funny is he said specifically that republicans aren't the ones living in reality 
Representative Ryan, uh, I would like you to review everything I just said. Uh, also, can you define what a woman is? Oh, you're the ones, you guys are the ones living in reality. Define what a woman is. You, you can't because the left, you, you and the left have made that word without meaning. You have completely stripped the word woman of meaning, which is a shame because the feminist movements fought for over a century to have the definition of woman be more important than ever. Yet here we are. I'm going to leave you with that. This has been Where Liberty Dwells podcast. I'm your host, Vaughn Hill. (laughs) 